Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in. Enjoy. Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast. We're at it again, Stephanie. Hey, Ed. So great topic as always. And the topic is resiliency. And I want to go back a little bit, you know, just thinking about the past three years, which we often talk about the things that have gone on with the lockdowns and the, you know, what turned into a lot of divisiveness and polarity and politics and conspiracy theory and just how many things happened over the past three years and how important it was to be resilient. So that's kind of the direction I want to go with it. What's your thoughts? I love it. I love the fact that we're talking about resilience because I don't think a lot of people realize it's an actual skill. It's a learned skill set that's important in any aspect of life. And I think being resilient or having emotional resiliency, for example, is something that can be developed. And it starts with the mindset of resiliency. Well, I also think it starts with the reality that it you have to become aware of it. A lot of people don't have resiliency and they're not even necessarily aware of it. So part of it could be to draw our attention, you know, that self-reflection and ask ourselves, where are we being resilient or not? As well as it's easy to see in others. We can actually uh, probably share some stories that would indicate or, you know, give a good example of where somebody was very resilient or perhaps where not. But I want to kind of start and kick it off with a definition of resiliency as you know I googled it and I thought geez it's such a great topic let's make sure that we're communicating from the same foundation of definition because in case somebody else has a different definition of resiliency this is what we're working from which is the ability to adapt and recover quickly from adversity from challenges or difficult situations it is the capacity to bounce back to persist and thrive despite setbacks, despite failures or stressful events. So that's what we're working backwards from. And I wanted to kick it off because you have a great story, you know, from many years ago, we've both got lots of great stories, but this one was kind of an interesting story because it also showed your resiliency as a coach at the time. And that was in the case of a pair of skates that didn't make it or was really delayed in making it to a very important competition. So why don't we kick it off there? Sure. And thanks for that, because the adversity training that we do, I do with all of my clients actually leads to a certain level of natural resiliency. So when we do the adversity training, for example, sometimes we have to manufacture adversity. But in this case, the adversity was really thanks to Air Canada. You know, the skates and the suitcase of one of the skaters ended up, we still don't even know where it ended up. The um, other partner ended up with his skates, his suitcase, his bag, with her one costume tucked in his bag 
as backup just in case something happened. Yeah. But we arrived in Japan for a Grand Prix final, and my clients were about to win. And they knew that this, they were going to win because they've won everything to this point, and they were on a just a really great roll. And uh, we get to the uh, hotel, and her bag is not with them. So not that they didn't check it at the airport. They, we knew we checked it in. Didn't show up at the airport, but we, sh- we thought for sure it was going to end up being shipped to the hotel. Well, scoot ahead three days, and there were still no skates. So the competition is only uh, a day away at this point. So back up, we arrive on the first day, no bag. Get to the hotel, no bag. So what do we do? Okay, we have to make a plan. There's no way to compete without skates. It was pretty funny, actually. People were trying to loan her skates. They were trying to beg, borrow, and steal. And it just doesn't work that way. Skates are very personal. So as we were working through it, my commitment to them was saying, okay, let's just stick to the plan. Mm -hmm. If we stick to the plan, stick to the warm-up, you know, make sure that you're training, go to the stretching area. Patrice will go out on the ice and he'll practice. You'll stand at the boards. You'll do a lot of visualizations. Um, and she was getting really nervous and scared. And tr- truthfully, so was I. You know, I had to just manage it differently to make sure that I held the space. Because as it got closer and closer to the competition, the other athletes and the competitors were starting to get excited. Because they knew if she couldn't skate, they were not going to win. So it started to flip. So she had to really dig deep. And the two of them as a team, me as their coach, really had to align and stay completely committed to the fact that the skates were going to show up. So we get a word that on the day before that the skates have arrived in Japan at the Narita airport. Well, we happen to be not at Narita. We are in Osaka. So now they have to get them to Osaka. So we just go, great, we'll see you tomorrow. So again, fully got changed, put the dress on, walked around in her sneakers, went to the rink, did the visualization while her partner was on the ice. And as the event was about to start on the Friday, the one of the volunteers comes running around the rink with this bag and sure enough swoops in. She's sitting, Mary Frances is sitting on the bench. Patrice is getting ready to go out for warm up, believing that these skates are going to show up. But what she had to do and the work she had to overcome, because now it was about time to compete and she hadn't been on the ice for the whole week. So having the, the skill of resilience, meaning that every single day she had to, you know, bring it to neutral, we call it. Okay, how do we do that when we know that there's a chance that skates aren't going to show up? So we had to flip the story. We had to stick to the plan. We had to trust the training and that level of commitment from all three of us. As the skates swooped in, she's sitting on the bench, putting the skates on, tying them up. They're about to announce their name. He holds his hand out. She takes it. Off they go. And yes, they won the competition. Yeah. And there's so many great takeaways in that story. You know, let's give a little bit of background. So, you know, the athletes arrive, you know, well ahead of the competition. They have to, you know, acclimatize, get rid of jet lag. They need to continue to practice and be, you know, really to to deliver their A game. It's a televised event globally, and it's a really big deal. So on top of that, you know, they've got technical coaches that in this case have nothing to offer because the technical coaches are there technically to coach them while they're skating on the ice and say, you know, the little nuances that they clean up and pick up. And this is for some people who maybe don't really understand what you do as a mental performance coach is you're at that competition to support athletes when they go through these kinds of things, because there's always something that goes on in a high pressure environment, such as a, a world event, which this was. Now, it's interesting, though, that as you coach them through that, you talk about adversity, you talk about resiliency. Uh, in this case, Marie France was very 
resilient as well as resilient in facing the adversity. There is a quote that I came by that I don't know who said it, and it was really, we either crumble or we keep moving forward. In that moment, she could have crumbled. Now, in the world of the Stoic philosophy, you know, there is a fundamental or a foundation of Stoicism that says we can't control much in terms of what happens to us in life, but what we can control is our reaction to what happens to us. And when I think of resiliency, what I think about that story that you just shared is it speaks really to, you had a team of people that you, well, a team of skaters, in this case, you know, Marie and, and Patrice, Marie-France and Patrice, they had to face the fact that they may not compete at a world-class level. They had to deal with the issues that were at hand. You either crumble in that moment or you keep moving forward. You had the plan. You say, we'll stick to the plan. We'll stick to the plan. So they were doing their, I'm assuming, their dryland training as if they were on the, I can't say as if they were on the ice. I know Patrice actually skated as if Marie France was on the ice with him. So he went through that, you know, to keep that kind of muscle memory. And then you were doing some, I guess, off ice dryland training. Is that off ice? Yeah. yeah, they do what's called a, a walkthrough. So they would get off and um, off the ice in the warm-up area and they would walk through their program. This is before, you know, the day of earbuds and stuff. So we had a little, you know, a little speaker and they'd listen to their music, walk through it. Then we did some visualization. Then she would come on the bench and stand with me while watching him do the practice. And to your point, you know, the technical coaches were there, but what are they supposed to do? So, you know, in some ways I was also even supporting the technical coaches because they didn't know and they were, you know, getting all the feedback and the and the information, you know, one way. And I, you know, I didn't speak Japanese and the Japanese people certainly many of them didn't speak English. So there was so much lost in, in, in translation that we really had to figure out a way to really take each day, each moment by moment as it, as it came, you know, the high of, oh my God, here they're coming. Oh no, they're not. Oh my God. Yes. No, they're not. So even managing that roller coaster of emotions became something that we, we really got good at. And I think that's really brought a lot of depth and a lot of layers into the coaching that I do with not just athletes, but with our business coaches, uh, clients as well. Well, I think it goes back to, you know, really resilience is at the heart of we can't control what happens to us. Often what we can control is our reaction to it. You know, I share a very kind of brief story literally is unfolding as we talk about it. And that is good friends of ours had a particular business, uh, in this case, a machine shop, that there was a total kind of misunderstanding, screw up, thousands of square feet and millions of dollars worth of equipment. New buyer comes in, buys the building. He and his machine shop have to move out. And I mean, it's just an epic story of resilience. And when you think about the owners of that business, how much resiliency is in there now, they have to move out. But then another property showed up, another building showed up. He's having to kind of move the world and get his machine shop reestablished with staff and equipment and all of the things. So, you know, they're kind of going 24-7 to make this all happen. It's kind of expected a little bit, I think, of this particular individual owner because he is probably one of the most resilient people that I've met. And it's not even that I know him all that well, although I do know him. It's that's his character. It is, give me a challenge. 
you know, I'm going to put my shoulder into it and I'm going to go. That's the either crumble or move forward. And this is all about moving forward. And I suspect because of that resiliency, they will in fact come out better once they get into the new shop and get reestablished and go forward again. That's my view of it. But that is really happens in business and you have to make those decisions. You know, it was two years ago, whatever it was when COVID and we had to shut down one of the locations of the store that meant laying off staff. And we had to make that decision based on what was happening with COVID, based on the carrying costs, based on the fact that we couldn't open the store. There was expenses coming, uh, going out, but no revenue coming in at that time. And as it turns out, it was a great decision. And now two and a half years later, whatever it is, things are pretty good. As a matter of fact, things are really good relative to that time. So that's also about resiliency and facing it and taking it on. Uh, I just wondered if you had anything to add to that. Well, to both to those stories in, in business and as in life is that and sport, it's, it's all just a microcosm of life. So how we're handling things and how we process actually is something that I find over the years that I've really had to work on to make sure that I'm using the skill set consciously, because there's times when I can get emotionally reactive to something, which makes zero sense. I overreact to something and then I still can monitor it, get myself to neutral and then use the tool, the skill of resiliency to move through the adversity. Now, I think to your point, maybe I'm curious about what your thoughts are on this, Patrick, is that are people generally more resilient because they've harnessed or embraced adversity and have worked their way through it as a, as a function, as a skill set? Because I find that the more adversity I go through, the more resilient I become in some ways. And um, I do know people in the past that I've worked with who would just rather not look at the adversity or they just rather stick your head in the sand, hopefully it goes away, avoid it until something bigger happens. And I know that the line that we always use is, you know, the universe always, you know, knocks um, and gives a sign and gives us, you know, tries to get our attention. And if we don't pay attention, you know, it really starts to pound and things can go wrong. So I think from a resiliency standpoint, my question, I guess, a long-winded question, sorry, is that are they, do you think they're completely connected? Well, I think there's a couple things, you know, first the quote is the universe knocks, but don't worry if you don't hear it, it will turn up the volume. And, you know, that's really, uh, I guess, the case in life. I, you know, in terms of resiliency, I think you have to go through certain things to come out the other side, but it is a commitment to being resilient and to facing it. The, you know, the point of this particular podcast that I wanted to shine a light on was, I wish I would have learned to be more resilient in facing adversity. This is a choice. I think early on, if somebody would have pointed out to me that being resilient in the face of adversity is in fact a choice. But there's a lot of payoff when there's drama attached to it, when there's excuses that can be attached to it, when there's complaints and blame that can be attached to it. That's where you actually, where people can find themselves crumbling rather than moving forward. So resiliency in hindsight, you know, at this point in my life, and I'm sure in your life, you realize that you learn to be resilient, and part of that just comes from training, as in you face those adversities and you become more resilient and in facing those, those particular adversities. So my point around all of this is that I think it's a trained thing. I think it's an awareness thing, and I believe that 
you know, as we walk through this, there's some thoughts that I have around even when you have the awareness of being resilient, resiliency is created by also the environment that you set yourself up for. And, you know, when you consider that you've, you've said it, I've said it, we've heard many people, somebody walks up and says, how's things going? And you go, you know, you're busy these days. And his first answer is crazy busy. You know, they respond to everything with crazy busy, which is an indication that stress levels are up. Yet when you look at that crazy busy comment, if you step back from it and go, okay, there's a stress level, there's the emotional stuff that's behind it. If we actually get out of crazy busy stress and think about it, that's where resilience can live. And it's planned for and how you set up your day, you know, how you prioritize what crazy busy means. You know, if you're dealing with tasks and issues in business, what in fact is important right now versus what I can put on the back burner for a day or an hour. So going back to the story about Japan, it would be easy to be overwhelmed and face that adversity and be totally stressed out in the drama of it, lose the mental and emotional capacity and that edge that you need when competing or in business. If you do what you and your team did, which was work from a plan, it was okay, what's important now? Let's call that, you know, what is the red zone? What is like, this is like key that we stay focused here. This we can pass and park and we'll worry about that tomorrow. So I think there's that aspect of resiliency in terms of training, but first you have to ask yourself, are you resilient? Think about the challenges you faced and then start to have those conversations, that self-reflection that you ask yourself, am I being resilient or am I just wimping out? Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think the wimping out part is really sad because what happens is that the, the, the messages or the lessons never get learned. I think that's one of the things I love about at least moving forward, trying new things that I'm going to get feedback. I'm not going to always be right. And I'm going to make a bunch of mistakes, but they're not really mistakes. They're just feedback. And I think there's a, a mindset or a mind shift around how you perceive the results of action taken as right or wrong. And I think it takes a, a high amount of resilience to move through some of those things if you're not getting the feedback that you want and you consider that a mistake. You know, I've had to flip how I define things over the years and, and, you know, you know, you can win or you can, uh, or you can learn, basically, you can move forward, or you can move backwards, there is no staying still. So as we work through these things and, and bring in adversity, small adversities, you know, can lead to big adversities if we're not careful. But the definition of really being able to harness adversity and increase your resiliency. And like you say, the mental resiliency as well as the physical resiliency is a trained, it's a trained skill. It is a trained skill. And, you know, as we say often, much of what this training in mindset and being a growth mindset and personal development, personal reflection is in fact trained. You have to first have the awareness around it. And that's really what being resilient is all about because it's not a fixed trait. It is developed and strengthened over time. And building resilience really involves developing mental and emotional strength, that AQ, for example, and the EQ, the adversity quotient and the emotional quotient. And, you know, developing a growth mindset, which we've talked about many times, is really what helps and can help build resilience. And we have to go back to that basic stoic philosophy, if you will, that 
we can control what we can control and mostly that's going to be how we respond to the adversity that we face to the challenges that we have to overcome you know there's there's a part of it that i you know sometimes wonder about is being resilient we talk about tenacity you know so for example you have a dream of a business you have a dream of an outcome you have a vision for what you want to achieve and along the way you're going to face resilience are you going to face adversities and challenges and do you have the resilience to get through those but at what point do you say no i'm going to shut it down now I'm not getting the results that I want. I'm not achieving what I set out to do. And so then there's a fine line between quitting because it no longer makes sense and resilience. And I'm connecting it to tenacity to get through that. And I think probably if I was to look up a definition of tenacity and resilience, I think they would be similar. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. Um, the word tenacious and tenacity, I, I I love that because as entrepreneurs, we've really had to develop that muscle as well. So you're right. I think they're very uh, connected. I, I think resilience is really more about tenacity. And for me, is like dog with the bone, like you don't give up regardless. And you're getting feedback that maybe you should give up or maybe mm-hmm. you should, you know, pause or take, you know, take a take a breath or something. Whereas resilience, I think, is just about, you know, putting one foot in front of the other. And like Wade, our, our, our friend and wellness coach says, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. So it takes resiliency to just keep moving forward to chopping wood and carrying water. Because as you're moving through life, there's going to be a lot of pushback. And a lot of, in some cases, like the last couple of years, tsunamis of pushback. So where and some people didn't have any resilient resiliency training or they wouldn't know that they could be more tenacious in some of the decisions that they made regarding you know their life their business their bodies etc so the resiliency and ten- and tenacity i think are are similar but they're just different enough that i think we should do a whole podcast on tenacity <laughs> well it's an interesting one and i think about what chris has been going through with the machine shop over these last many months and that took resilience, that took tenacity. And literally, I can't imagine emotionally what he went through or he and his partners and his family went through. I mean, the pressure of that alone, I mean, you're talking you know, millions of dollars. And so he had the tenacity and the resilience to face that and go through. Now he's mature, he's very successful in business as it is, so he's taking it on based on a lot of what he's faced in his life already. And this goes back to the training part of it. It's like going to the gym. The more you exercise that muscle, the stronger it gets. And I think resilience and tenacity is a lot like that. You know, it really shows up that you need to have that muscle and work it in those times of uncertainty. And he was operating on top of a large business or a, a very, I shouldn't say a very large business, but a, a business, a very substantial business, a lot of money involved, a lot of team involved and clients involved. And when you've got that much uncertainty going on and not just financially, I mean, there's just so much to it. I was really happy to hear. And we just recently got that news that it looks like they've got a new building. They're going to get moved in. They're going to be delayed a month or two probably, but ultimately you know, they live to fight another day. And that is because of that resilience and that tenacity to see through it and imagine how much control had to be used to get through that time 
with all that stress, that complication, the confusion. Uh, I can't imagine, and I'm really, really happy to have seen that the story is looking like it's gonna have a happy ending. And that's inspiring, isn't it? And you think about it, it's also the level of commitment. And I, I can't step over the fact that what it takes to be resilient is committed and being committed to an outcome, being committed to something, in their case, bigger than them, um, I look at the things that we've been through. I mean, I'm more committed, to it, you know, we've been together 30 years now. And I mean, commitment is really important, but so is resiliency in those types of situations because nothing, nothing's going to be, you know, a straight line. Life isn't a straight line. You know, excellence is a straight line. Commitment's a straight line. I mean, it's very obvious, but life isn't. And if we don't have the ability to be Come resilient. I think that's what we're going to see a lot of people shutting down in the next little while. And I think there's going to be some blowback around a lot of people. You you said that quote last time about good times creates uh, weak men. Yeah, good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. And we're in the yeah. middle of that. Yes, we are. I, I think we are because we had, I mean, my whole life has been great. I mean, I've had adversity and we've all had adversities, but we haven't really had to, to really, we haven't had to go to war. We haven't had to do things that a lot of generations before us have. And that's a good 70, 80 years. There's people that have lived their entire lives without having to actually, you know, deal with any type of adversity. So where's that skill set? How is that going to go forward for them? That's the part that really is interesting to me going forward is, is that, what about the the weak, not just men, but the weak people that have come out of these good times? I hope that, you know, on some level, somebody's working with them to train them how to handle adversity, how to embrace adversity and at least increase their resilience. Yeah, you know, resiliency in when we talk about it today. So as, you know, what we would call or probably consider ourselves as free market capitalists. And, you know, capitalism is we kind of embrace it we believe in it we see how economically it makes sense even socially you know there is that side of things that right now the wokeism around the world and it, it's easy for me to be critical of it because I don't get it. Like I can't relate to it as much as I try because when I look at free market capitalism as an example, I'm not talking about not having compassion and empathy for the, you know, for the people on our planet that are in fact down and out, that are facing homelessness, that have addictions or social, you know, the social ecosystem that we have, have different levels. I've got all the capacity and compassion in the world for supporting that and helping that. But there's another level that has really changed how the world seems to be evolving in terms of socialism. And that concerns me. It actually frightens me to think about the direction that's going. And, you know, we both have many years ahead of us. So as much as we say, well, I'm worried for our grandchildren, I have to look at it and go, no, I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I still want to be that free market capitalist and, I want to do that until I'm 95 or 85. My point is, is that there are these concerns, but this requires resilience. And what I'm seeing, I believe, my observation is that people are less resilient. They're more apt to crumble than rather than move forward. And they're more apt to crumble and blame than they are to actually take it on and move forward. They don't have the AQ or the EQ to be. Now, I guess that's a, a really wide, broad statement to make. And I want to be cautious that I'm not painting everybody or everything with the same brush. But my observation is that this is seeming to be the way 
I don't know, society is unfolding and it's a concern. That's how I see it. And so when we talk about resiliency, I look at our political leaders, and I'm not just talking about Canada's political leaders, which, as you know, and everybody who listens to this podcast knows, can get me fired up. But I'm looking at it even at a global, on a global scale to the degree that I pay attention, and I do actually pay pretty close attention to what's happening, not just in the U.S., but even over in Europe and certainly in what's happening in China. So these are things that I think are concerning, but I intend to have the resiliency and the AQ and the EQ to see our way through this, given there's only things that we can control is how we respond to times like this. Yeah, 100%. I think all that being said is that as free market capitalists, we're going to give ourselves a, a label. It also is disconcerting because as businesses and, and small businesses, especially, which was used to be the engine of our economy, are being shut down. What's happening is that people don't have the disposable income. Like we used to go to fundraisers and I mean, I'm looking even at my taxable donations this year and it's like, I don't even know how to to process that side of it when people are saying, oh, you, you know, you're dirty capitalist and money is evil and all that stuff. And it's like, no, what's happening and the, the rug is going to be pulled out from a lot of different scenarios, whether it's charities, whether it's... Um, local food banks, et cetera, because people, the more that they get squeezed and the more that they don't have that resiliency or that ability to look outside themselves and say, okay, I need to either get a new skill set or I need to uh, align with people who have complementary skills that I do and start to maybe do some bartering and trading. When they, when they start affecting the money system and what, don't get me going on CBDCs and UBI and all that stuff, because I know that is, I don't want to be the dog wet way or the tail wagging that dog is that un understandably, the socialism is all around the world. There is not one country, maybe four little countries in, in Africa, I've heard, still have some sort of relatedness to, to the economy and to what, what business people bring and what capitalism really is and how damaging this leaning over to the left in socialism is going to be for the people who need the support, who need the money, who don't possibly have the skills. Maybe they're going through some times that are struggling, some emotional and um, some mental health issues. If we remove the capitalists out of our society, everybody's in trouble. You can't make a society better by by taking and making other people poor. To, it doesn't work that way. It's been proven and we're just not paying attention. So my commitment, and I think yours too, is to continue to help and to train ourselves to work, move through things and our, our communities, our clients, the people that depend on us to help them build their resiliency and, and understand that, you know, if times are going to get tougher, we need to get thicker skin. And I think we need to train resiliency on a whole new level. Well, I think there's a couple of things around that that we should shine a light on. First and foremost is that, you know, people are always resistant to change and we are resistant to change because what we believe and what we've been comfortable in for many, many years is actually changing. We're in the midst of some of the greatest change that will ever hit this planet and we don't agree with it. Not all of it anyways. And the point is that this is a time where all of our training in terms of AQ, EQ, resiliency, 
critical thinking all really comes to a time where we need to apply all of these skills. For those of you who are still listening to this particular podcast, when we talk about meditation, when we talk about uh, exercise and looking after ourselves and eating right and having the right people around you and creating the environment for yourself to succeed intentionally and bringing your awareness to your own way of processing. And is it an effective way? Is it going to move you forward or is it becoming an excuse for you to not move forward? Is it time to blame and complain and that's how you're seeing the world and so you're just going to shut it down and, I don't know, hibernate? But the point is that we take this on, we face it because that is the growth mindset and that is what success is built on is having the challenges that make you stronger, recognizing them as that and I think that's the muscles that we got to continue to use. And we have to look at life the way it is, that it's going to continue to throw challenges. And that will, in fact, be the mantra. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So keep getting stronger. I guess that's my thought on it anyways. Well, you know, my mom always used to say that, you know, the, the what is it? The, it's not over till the fat lady sings. Mm -hmm. Right. And the fat lady hasn't sang yet. So it's not over. That's how we know. <laughs> it's not over. It's not over. And I think moving forward and, and looking at the decisions that I'm making, that we're making together as a, as a family to take care of ourselves, to build community, to open our homes and our hearts to people that need us at the time they come in and they come out of our lives to not be attached, to really understand that people are going through things right now that they've never gone through and maybe don't have the skill set for. So Again, to increase your capacity, my compassion level, the empathy that I have for the planet, for the dogs. I almost start crying today. I saw some place in the U.S. I'm just going to start bawling. Are killing bees for no reason? That now, was the, you know, that's not in the U.S. That's not in the U.S. It's Australia, and oh. they're taking it on because they believe there's a mite. The this particular beehive owner, and when you get into bees, they're like they become pets. You fall in love with bees. The point is, is that what happened in the bureaucracy of how things work? This particular beekeeper had 16 full hives. He's been a beekeeper for many, many years, and no mite within 20 kilometers of his hives. All his hives were clean. He keeps a very, very close tab on all of it. But the bureaucrats came in, they gassed all the bees. They killed 16 right hives of bees. Yes, and that was his choice. But that aside, it is more the case of we know the, for those of, for anybody who understands bees, our whole ecosystem is dependent on bees. And as a matter of fact, you can't stress enough how much of our food and how much of our environment is driven by bees flying from plant to plant, pollinating and doing what bees do. And I don't know that many people really understand. I think the, I think there's a there's a, a meme or something that said if you killed all the bees, we would be around for about two days, and then the world yeah, would exactly. implode. Bees and mushrooms are yes. so important to our ecosystem. Okay, we're going off. We're going off on a tangent here. We're going down a but rabbit here, hole. Public service announcement for bees. Yes. Won't spray your, your dandelions. When they start coming up in the spring, that's the last, that's the food for the bees. They need the dandelions. So deal with them for a little while, maybe till they poof into their little white balls. But 
Yeah, public service announcement for, for my bee friends. Okay, thanks for that. And thanks for joining us on this particular podcast. Again, bring your attention to, are you being resilient? Have some compassion for yourself. And being resilient, by the way, doesn't mean that you don't get sad, you don't get mad, you don't break down and cry, none of that. Resilience slam is- Slam the door. Or slam the door. Resiliency is about moving forward, not crumbling, and then letting go as if something has happened to you. It is not about having a victim mentality. Stephanie, thanks for sharing your insights. And uh, we'll do this again soon. We will. Hashtag be resilient. That's really bad. I know, right? That was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.